it is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello and welcome to Islanders Anxiety, the podcast from Lighthouse Hockey. My name is Dan Saracini. Uh, joining me via Skype is my friend Michael Leboff. And uh, Mike, we have a lot of trade deadline stuff to talk about, but uh, not a lot of it having to do with the Islanders, unfortunately. Yeah, it was. Uh, I, I kind of take full responsibility. I realized <laughs> the other day that this is the first uh, trade deadline without Snow or Milbury in basically my whole life. I think I was six the last time. Uh, and I tweeted it out and jinxed it because uh, things didn't go as planned. I'm, I mean, I think I actually thought I would be a lot more upset mm. if this was going to be the case because I kind of had an inkling last night that, that this was going to be the case, and I thought I was going to be a lot more upset than I am. Um, but, you know, it is what it is, and there's nothing you or me or anybody else could do about it. Yeah, uh, I was alive when Don Maloney was the GM, and I don't remember trade deadlines being a thing at all, <laughs> let alone uh, at that time. But, uh, yeah, this is a different time, and now we get to talk about him. Uh, and, you know, regardless of the fact that the Islanders didn't do anything, there is still stuff to talk about because this is kind of one of those, you know, signpost moments of the season. And joining us to talk about where the Islanders stand 
after the trade deadline is a man who has taken far too long to come on the show because I am lazy and had not reached out to him previously, but it is our friend, Lighthouse Hockey contributor, founder of the Cap Space and all-around Islanders uh, Twitter guy, Kerry Haber. Kerry, what's going on? Hey, guys. How are you? Very good. Finally glad you can you could make it on under the show again. This has been a long time coming and should have happened a long time ago, and I blame myself for that. <laughs> um so uh, the Islanders didn't make any trades today. We'll talk about Dennis Seidenberg, I guess, in a little while because I guess we have to. But um, basically, you know, we were kind of afraid this was going to happen, but I guess it has become a reality. Maybe it's not that, as bad as we thought, but their big acquisitions are going to be guys that they kind of already had already. That would be Andrew Ladd and Thomas Hickey, who are pretty much ready to play, and then some guys they have in the minors, Michael Cole and uh, – Josh Hosang being first among them. So I guess my question is, um, relative to what everybody else did, this is kind of a broad question, feel free to to narrow it down a little bit, but um, you know, relative to what everybody else did in the in the division, are Ladd and Hickey really gonna kind of push the needle and help the Islanders, you know, finally lock down this first place uh setting that they've had this whole time, or are they just kind of screwed themselves over basically? Yeah, well, that's a good question. I mean, the first thing I've already learned today is that this whole thing is Mike's fault. So, <laughs> uh, now that we've established that, mm. we can just get more into the brass tacks of all of this. Um, you know, the truth is, I think the Islanders are an improved team with Andrew Ladd and Thomas Hickey, but it's kind of marginal in the sense of, like, these were guys that they already had in their organization, guys that they were already expected to come back. Um, and obviously that's now the case. So, you know, it's hard to, to call that piece of this a success, so to speak. Um, and, you know, when you look around the division, uh, Columbus obviously being the team that made the most noise in the league, um, you know, they're, they're obviously a much improved club. Uh, moving a step down, you look at Washington and what they did and what Pittsburgh did, and these guys coming back, I think, are more in line with the acquisitions that those two teams made. Um, Andrew Ladd, before he got hurt, uh, was in a, he was kind of all over the lineup a little bit, but he's had really good success with Matthew Cozell in the past. He'll be there tomorrow night. There's a chance that you know, they can rekindle some of their past success. Thomas Hickey's going to step in for Scott Mayfield, it looks like, and I think the Islanders have a pretty good uh, situation on defense where they have uh, seven guys that can rotate in and out of the lineup. Um, so, you know, in terms of where they were tomorrow relative to Sunday, uh, they're probably a little bit improved, but obviously missing out on some of the guys that were moved, I think the opportunity cost of that um, isn't going to make a lot of fans happy, and, and I understand that. Yeah, we kind of miss out on the fun of the trade deadline. Like, oh, this is the new guy who's come in. I, I wish, you know, where's he going to go? And he's like the new toy. You're like, oh, how, how do we do this? And, you know, when the new toy is an old toy you already had and, like, already kind of passed judgment on in the case of Andrew Ladd especially, uh, it is it is a little bit disappointing. But, uh, you know, I, I thought, you know, Lamorello um, gave quotes at the end and, and the whole 10-minute thing is kind of worth watching. And, and his big thing, the big takeaway, and Arthur Staple, I'm reading this off his Twitter feed right now, which, uh, you know, kind of gets to the point, which was Lamorello said, we weren't going to sacrifice our plan here. We don't, we, you don't do something just for the sake of doing it. We are pleased with where we are. Um, Columbus, like you said, made a lot of noise. The uh, Golden Knights made the most noise by swooping in and grabbing Mark Stone 
towards the end, while everybody kind of had their eyes on him. Um, you know, there's something to as much as disappointed as we might be that the additions are guys that we know already. There's something to be said for keeping your best prospects, right? Like that's kind of a silver lining in all this is they didn't lose a Noah Dobson or a, a Oliver Wallstrom or one of those guys, right? I mean, that that there's value there. They also have their first round pick still too. Yeah. So the way that I, I see this is, you know, the way that Lamorello approached the deadline was he had kind of a high risk, high reward strategy in the sense that the guys at the Islanders, by all accounts, were in on Matt Duchesne, Mark Stone. These were the prize uh, prospects or prize players of, of this deadline. And, uh, you know, sometimes when, when there's only a handful of them, you're, you're going to strike out. And that, that's what happened today. Um, certainly, uh, you know, in light of that, obviously the Islanders don't improve their club with some of those minor guys. But by all the statistical models, and, and obviously we see it on the ice, this team, as it stands, I would call them somewhat of a fringe contender in terms of their recent play and, and kind of where they stack up against other playoff teams. So, you know, you want to play out or your Stanley Cup chances from a couple percentage points to five or six percent. Is that worth potentially seven plus years of no adoption or, or Oliver Wallstrom? Those are the questions that I would imagine they are considering when, you know, they have these discussions. Um, guys like Matthew Shane and Mark Stone clearly to kind of fit that bill. But as you move down, um, perhaps maybe not spending those draft picks for uh, some of that second or third tier uh, may be beneficial. Islanders since they could use those picks again in the summer uh, for other players who they get the season out of. So, um, and, and it's a possibility right. that the guys who move today end up being UFAs too. So that's another way to keep those draft picks and stuff too, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. So, so it, it's really about risk reward. And, and they, they had a strategy where they, for, they were going for the highest reward and it didn't work out. And um, that's something that, you know, they have to live with now with the team being uh, what it is. So uh, you, you brought up their recent play and uh, to be quite blunt, it hasn't been very good. <laughs> they came off that, that three game Canadian Western Canadian trip. Uh, they didn't play particularly well in the first two spots against in Calgary and in Edmonton uh, lost one, lost another one in overtime. Um, do you think Ladd and Hickey uh, can kind of bring them back to the place where they were you know, mid mid December into January, when they really were were hot and really were on that roll and kind of built themselves up into that the first place you know team that we see now. Because uh, I mean, forget about the playoffs. Like, let's just talk about getting them straightened out right now. Because they play Calgary on Tuesday night, and they don't want a repeat of what happened in Calgary last Tuesday or whatever it was because they kind of got smoked. Um, but I, I mean, with Hickey coming back replacing Mayfield at least for once and then Ladd anybody replacing uh Tom Kuhnhackle is probably a good thing but is Ladd the kind of guy who can help them get back to that place where they were uh and you know where they were their best this season it's hard to answer that because when you talk about Andrew Ladd versus Josh Hosang versus Michael Duckhole they're all three different kind of players yeah um Michael Duckhole is more of a defensive minded player Josh Hosang more of a play driving player doesn't really shoot the puck Andrew Ladd is kind of the antithesis of both of those guys. <laughs> He's not really a play driver. He shoots the puck a lot, and he has, obviously, high, higher upside in terms of NHL production. Um, so, you know, he comes into a spot where I assume he's going to essentially be asked to play the trigger man role for Matthew Barzell, and, and the two of them certainly have had chemistry in the past. So it's quite possible that it does work. Um, the answer is that a level where they can get back to um, – you know, the play where they were at in, in early January or so, 
tough to say. Um, I, I would personally feel more comfortable with, with some of those kids in the lineup. I showed, even though it's not necessarily their what their reputation is, um, they showed they can play in those roles. So um, it will be interesting to see how that meshes with Leo Kamara, who obviously is not really an, a defensive or offensive player. Um, <laughs> a guy. Um, yeah. and, and so, uh, but it certainly, I think, Lad is, is a higher upside player than Tom Spoonhockler, that's probably putting it lightly. Mm. Um, so just by that nature alone, like when the addition of, of if you consider Andrew Ladd to be a, a okay third liner, um, that's well above what the level that Tom Spoonhockler was playing at, uh, by nature in upgrade. Yeah. Yeah. It's safe to say that. I, I think, I think, uh, to me, like, I think Ladd. First of all, like he's obviously been hurt, so this is kind of an obvious point. But you know, he's fresh, and there should be uh, some sort of you know prove it kind of this to his game. I think he you know he's missed out on an entire season now, uh, and a very, very magical one at that. So like, why wouldn't this guy should want to come in and and be guns blazing? So I'm I'm kind of excited, and I think actually the same kind of logic can be applied to Beauvillier in a sense that he was kind of a guy who made like you look around that room and you're like all right like if someone's traded for mark stone it's gonna be me uh, i don't i mean i don't think these these they're all human they read the paper they read twitter whatever so i think like i'm, I'm interested to watch the two of them uh big time uh, bovillier will have a little bit of a weight off his shoulders lad who will now be looking to put up or shut up uh and kind of earn his contract and, and take advantage of the, the fact that he's healthy uh so I don't know. I think I think there's like some. If you take, you got to look at the silver linings. It's disappointing. This nothing, nothing came to fruition at the deadline, especially because you, you know the, the team worked so hard to get to this point where they're in first place at the trade deadline, which is a miracle in itself. And you hope that that you know you you, you everyone kind of hoped that Lou would then just kind of double down on that on this like you know don't look a gift horse in the mouth kind of thing. And uh, but you know what if if you think about it like this 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 team has been good enough to get to this point. The, the only team in the division that really got much better I, is the Blue Jackets. The Penguins got worse. I mean, the best news all day was when the pe- the Penguins traded for Eric Goodbrins. Oh, man. Uh, this has been that so was entertaining great. all day, honestly. <laughs> like, I was – the I mean, the, and the Capitals shored up some depth. I think Jensen and Hagelin were kind of shrewd moves in, like, the Michael Kempney mode. Uh, but, like, the, the division is still there for the taking. And this team has been good enough to get to this point. So you just hope to God – that you know the the goaltenders continue to stand on their heads and, and the Islanders continue to get a break or two here or there. Yeah, that's what it is. And 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 uh, you know, I first of all, with regards to the Penguins, yeah, I mean that Jack Johnson Eric Branson pairing is going to be absolutely fantastic to watch. Uh, <laughs> it's going to be like, do you remember when they got Douglas Murray and they played him with? They played, I think they played him with Brooks Orpik. <laughs> I don't know if it was. I don't know. If, I think I think Orpik was still on the team then. Because I just remember being like, any time Douglas Murray was on the ice in that playoff series against us, I was like, all right, like this is this is our forty-five seconds to, to own the puck. So, Did they like, trade two draft make- picks for Doug Murray? They gave up like two draft picks for him or something. Like yeah, that. I think that so. Was- they, they, <laughs> that was the year they were against Jerome or with uh, Jerome McGinley, right. uh, and uh, 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 there was another guy that they brought in that I I can't remember right now. But that was the year they played the Islanders in the first round. Um, and yeah, that obviously didn't end well for the Islanders. But yeah, they they certainly had some holes on that squad. Which and, and all those moves were actually really interesting because they kind of came at a time where um, the analytics, uh, I guess, really started to take off in terms of their popularity. 
And there was there were a lot of debate at that point, like trading for Douglas Murray and the price that they paid for it. And uh, the, it was kind of split between the old hockey thinking of, well, this is a you know crease clearer that plays in front of the net versus, well, yeah, he's actually probably not that good. And um, it didn't really work out for them. But uh, yeah, I mean, I think in terms of uh, other teams in the division, Columbus, um, to be honest, is, is probably a more consistent team than the Islanders at this point. But it is obviously worth noting the Islanders have a, a fairly sizable point advantage with them at this point right now. So it's tough to make up in 20 games of goaltending for New York uh, is the way it is. And if that's the case, then, you know, the Islanders really are looking at, uh, if they don't win the division, a home ice advantage. Yeah. Um, you know, but uh, that kind of leads me to sort of a general Islanders question. I mean, we can only talk about Andrew Ladd so much, but I, I just, I kind of a general Islanders question. I mean, you're, your charts that you put out every single day are like invaluable for sort of tracking the Islanders progression, especially this season as they've had this sort of unbelievable journey uh, under Barry Trotz. Uh, And you've been kind of like the the main guy to sort of be like, no, this is not a PDO driven thing. This is not all about shooting percentage and save percentage. This is about a team that's, that's kind of putting it together and, and doing things that good teams do to win games. Um, You know, it, it, how would you summarize sort of how the Islanders got here, like the formula for how the Islanders got here? Uh, obviously, good goaltending is probably one huge portion of it. But, I mean, they they play as as solid a defensive game in the league, right? I mean, this isn't has this hasn't been like a mirage. We're really not seeing we're, – we're seeing what, what the team really is, right? They just don't give up high-danger chances. That's kind of been the big thing all season, right? Yeah, no, that's completely correct. As of a couple of days ago, they were fifth in the league and expected goals against per hour um, at like 2.18, I think it was, which is pretty outstanding. That That's a number um, that is clearly driven by structure and players buying into the system that Barry Trotz is, is preaching. Um, he is a coach that, that preaches quality chances over quantity chances. And we've seen that all year um, just with the Islanders, uh, scoring chance rates and their high danger chance rates well outperforming with their overall shot attempt chance rates. Uh, that has essentially been the formula for them, which is, yeah, we don't mind giving up shots to the outside. Um, and, and when we have the puck, we're going to generate offense in you know certain areas. One of the key things um, that has been the case is their right defense. And Ryan Pollock, Scott Mayfield, and Justin Boychuk are all players who have no problem shooting the puck at the right point. And what they're doing is these guys are taking shots and then they have forward either center or any kind of crack from there. And it's creating, whether it's a, a bounce or a rebound or whatever, um, all of their offense for the most part starting from that right point. And it's created a lot of opportunities from them. The formula is simply get shots high for high danger areas of the ice. Um, and we'll make sure the structure stays intact to get right. a space for them and, and that's another place where Andrew Ladd can kind of work you know he's a guy who's used to standing in front of the net and used to kind of pouncing on rebounds he is a trigger man he doesn't he's not like a real pass first kind of player but you know if he's back and healthy I mean that that's a place where he I think this is a system where he can he can play pretty well in I mean we saw him play pretty well the 14 or whatever games he played earlier it seemed like okay but uh you know I, I'm with I, I agree with Mike like it is disappointing that we don't have any new new players to talk about, but I, I do think that 
you know, <laughs> I saw, I should say, I saw somebody on Twitter before was like, man, Snow would get, Garth Snow would be like hung out to dry or something if this is, if that was, his, if he came out after a trade deadline, I was like, oh, we like the, the players that we have. Um, maybe we're just giving Lou a pass because he's the new guy and like we kind of, and they're playing very well this season. But I mean, is Lad that kind of guy who can, who can thrive in a system like that? Because I mean, like Mike said, he's essentially missed the entire season. I mean, you know, they're sixty games in, and he's only played the first fifteen or so. But I think he, he is he can thrive there, right? Or at least fit right in with what they've been doing this whole time. Yeah, I mean, I think he's that kind of player in terms of his style. I'm not sure if he's still the player that he was. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, like it, you have to look at things from a perspective of who he's going to be replacing. <laughs> so, like. Not like like if he was coming in for Michael Dacol, I'm I, I'm probably having a much different conversation with you than I have with him coming in for, right? right? Like there is so much of of it, it's I, I talked about the domino effect the other day during the Vancouver game. It was so obvious to me where you, when you get penned in on one shift, it kind of just starts the whole thing until there's a whistle where the other team kind of gets these like small patches of momentum. And what was happening with Marzell line is they, they were getting like him, and next thing you knew, a couple of years later, you know, I don't think the penalty, this or the other. Andrew Ladd's like, mm. presence on the ice will help to limit those hemmed uh, in opportunities playing with a guy like Matt Barnes. Like, that's the key. You put him with a guy as creative and as dynamic and someone who can break the puck, and Ladd can look a lot more uh, successful in, in that plus defensive structure. But actually, I, you know, I had totally forgotten about it. So, uh, Lamorello said that they had no plans on bringing Dal Cole and, uh, and or Hosang up again. Hosang is an interesting thing. I mean, he, he's been great in the last two weeks, and before that, not so much. Maybe he'll play with Ladd because he seemed to like it when Ladd was conditioning down in Bridgeport. But um, I, I feel like Lou might be kind of just kind of tempering things a little bit. I would expect, because Michael Dal Cole didn't really do anything wrong to get sent down. I think it was more of a numbers thing, and I think they want him to be eligible for the AHL playoffs. So I, I would I would think that he would get called up, maybe not necessarily Tuesday before the game against Calgary, but probably very soon. Um, I mean, what what did you see from him? Because the problem with Dalcole is he didn't score that much, but he was definitely doing good things out there, especially on, on a line with, with Barzell, right? I mean, he's come a long way as a player. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a case of a player whose reputation has kind of shifted because he obviously was drafted super high um, fifth overall, and there are a lot of high expectations for him. But fast forward a couple of years later, and he's kind of turned into this really strong defensive player who has really strong positioning skills. He has a big body, he's smart, um, and he knows how to move play forward, which is exactly the kind of guy that the Islanders have been looking for this year. Um, so yeah, he fit right in with uh, Matthew Barzell for sure, but really I thought he, he did his best work on a line with Valtteri Filppula and Leo Komarov. Mm-hmm. Um, both both Philpola and Kamarov were over 50% shot attempt share with Dal Cole hmm. this year, which is the only other player where that's been the case has been Josh Hosang. <laughs> um, and, and I think that speaks to Dal Cole's ability to adapt within the system, but also use the tools that he have, has. Yeah, maybe he'll never be this dynamic six-point guy, but um, certainly if he has the ability to, to drive play forward and play in the offensive zone, there's a role for that in the NHL. Maybe it's a fourth-line role or, or a fringe third-line role, but this is a guy who can definitely play in this league at this point, and I think he's shown that. 
I didn't realize his numbers were that high <laughs> with, yeah. with Kamarov and Vilvola. I was going to say, I thought, all, I thought, go right ahead. I was going to say, it's all defensive-based. I mean, he's given up, when he's on the ice, the Islanders basically don't give up shot attempts. It, it, it's crazy to the point where he's like literally skewed the things that I post because he, his name is so high up above everyone else. He looks like he's <laughs> breaking shots. <laughs> That's funny. Wow, I didn't but, realize that. that. Yeah. They're just not giving anything up while he's on the ice. And that's something that as soon as he was taken out of the lineup, that shifted. Oh, wow. And it's been, it's been clear like to the point where if you look at the game where he was taken out to where they are now, it looks like, like a roller coaster or a slide <laughs> where they tumble down. Um, so, And again, I think it's, it's just one of those things where you take out player X and player Y, and it's causing this domino effect through the whole team. It's kind of crazy to think one fringe third line player can have that impact, but uh, I think that his for lineup has been problematic for them. And so, in game momentum has been harder to come by because of playing in the offense. I thought he made that line uh, kind of entertaining in a funny way, uh, Tal Cole, because it was like like Carrie was saying, like it's all it's all defensive based, and watching I feel like watching Philpola and Komarov play with a guy who just knew where to be at the, uh, you know, where he was supposed to be. Cause obviously that's why Val, Val Philpola and Leo Komarov have jobs is that they know where to be when they're supposed to be there. And there, it was like watching that line have someone like that uh, was like, Oh my God, this is actually working. And all of a sudden you're thinking back to when they signed Komarov and Philpola, you're like, what on earth are they doing? And you're like, Holy, like all, it, it, it like manifested itself for you know a stretch of games where, out of like Mike, Michael Dalcol being the the key to that line was definitely probably was probably the last thing I thought would happen uh, this season. Even even more, it's more surprising than where the Islanders are in the standings that Michael Dalcol, Val Philpola, and Leo Komarov were the uh, best third line. Best third line ever. That's harsh. <laughs> yeah, I think there's just something to be said for that because he when, when he was up last year he. Barely looked like he belonged on the same ice as everyone else. And, you know, Arthur Stable had a whole piece on how he worked really hard. And I think that's clear. His skating is at a different level than it was last time we saw him. But uh, Mike's right. Like, his ability to, to play within Scott's structure and make the most of that while bringing up other players is something that really should not be lost on, on Lamorello and the staff. They went from that to removing him from the team completely. That's a shift that I, I guess it didn't really compute with me. It's like, oh, you can play on the first line, but now you're just going to be in the minor leagues. True Islanders thing is to bring a guy from the minors and put him immediately on the first line. That That's the thing we've seen many, many times. <laughs> it almost never works, but the, uh, this one works. So, well, I mean, that that's a pretty good case for bringing up Michael Del Cole, and maybe he ends up being uh, a, a bigger uh, trade deadline acquisition than either Ladd or Hickey or Dennis Seidenberg, who – resurrected himself uh this weekend uh, with pro-rated contract we don't think he's actually going to play right like that would be really really that would be crazy so yeah this will probably come back to bite me but i don't think he's going to play okay good i'm glad he's gonna the record. i don't think he's going to play <laughs> yeah I, jo- I, jo- I joked i joked with dan yesterday i said that uh if Dennis Seidenberg plays, that means we've already gone through Lucas Spisa. So let's hope <laughs> let's hope that that means that Dennis Seidenberg isn't gonna play. Yeah. Um. I I, I have thought it was funny. Like the the island. I'm, I I really don't think other teams do this because I follow enough other beat writers 
that I would see their line rushes in morning skate and pregame where like Dennis Seidenberg, Andrew Gross, there you go. He's got Dennis Seidenberg listed on the uh, morning skate line rushes. And it says like PTO next to his name. And, and I haven't seen that with any other team, but the Islanders just do it all the time because, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if Miro Shatan or Radic Martinez's name pops up <laughs> on one of those things every now and then. They just have these guys that just hang around and skate with them. It's yeah. so funny. Yeah, they're a very generous organization. Well, they have the suite, too, that, that the alumni can use all the time. So it's uh, they're a very generous organization with that kind of stuff. Um, so uh, this has been great. This has been illuminating. Uh, we really appreciate it. I am going to put you on the spot, though, Carrie, because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you one final question. It's okay to say what comes to your mind. This is uh, Islanders anxiety, after all, so we are nothing if not anxious all the time. But uh, given the events of today, both with the Islanders, non-events, and events uh, for the uh, their Metro Division rivals, uh, right now, would you say that the Islanders actually win the Metro Division this year? Oh, I'm going to say. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. Don't worry. I, 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 I'm going to say this. I'm going to say yes, they will, because I, I, I do think they're a better team than Washington, and I think that the difference in points between them and Columbus is too much to catch up on in 20 games. However, the, if Columbus is the team that, that gets super hot, they will be the ones to win the division. I don't think it's Washington. I think it will be the Islanders or Columbus. Can I ask a follow-up? Yes. If, if, if you, if you I, I think Dan and I probably all, all three of us probably have the same answer. But right now, if the playoffs started today and the Islanders got to pick their opponent, Obviously, it had to be in the Metro kind of bracket or, or the Canadians. Who who would it be? Washington. To, yeah. p- to I, pick, I would say either Washington or Pittsburgh. And I know that's crazy, but I think the Islanders can beat Pittsburgh. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 th- I, I yeah. thought, I, in my mind, I thought all three of us would say Washington. Hmm. But, yeah, it's Pittsburgh and Washington, man. It's so – what a weird world we're living in. I don't, the, want, I, mean, I'm, I don't want any part of that Carolina Hurricanes team, boy. I do not. I absolutely do not. <laughs> no, no even before like they acquired Niederreiter, they looked fantastic against the Islanders yeah. because they just play a style that is really, I think, contradictive to what the Islanders do. Yeah. Right? Like they're fast. They they break in with possession. Um, they take a lot of shots. Obviously, I mean that's the one thing would be if Carolina gets like goes through another one of those cold streaks, they're quite beatable. Right? But you can't really bank on that happening. So. Their ability to do things that the Islanders can't is is would be a little bit concerning. But I agree, Washington and Pittsburgh are probably the two weakest teams up within the playoff sphere at this point, which is kind of mind-boggling <laughs> after a decade and basically year in and year out. Yeah, yeah, but uh, and and it's mind-boggling that that's true, and it's mind-boggling that we all sat here and said that. Like, and 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 that's I don't know, it's just crazy. With conviction, like people yeah. believe it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. And I could, I could hear, I could visualize people with their headphones on, uh, on the bus or at their offices or wherever, nodding in agreement. Like, yeah, that is weird. But anyway, uh, but uh, no, thank you, Carrie. This has been awesome. Uh, I again, I'm sorry, sorry it took so long to to make this happen. But uh, as always, you deliver. This is this has been so great. Really appreciate it. Thank you guys very much for having me. No problem. Uh, and you, everybody should check out. Well, they should. You, if you're on Twitter, you should already be subscribed to Carrie. It's Haber Metrics on Twitter. You need to follow these charts every single day, and you need to read them. And if you have a question about it, and you're very nice, 
You should reach out to Carrie and ask him because he is very good at answering questions because sometimes this stuff is kind of tricky. So definitely reach out to him and ask him if, if the things don't make sense. But one of the great things about a lot of hockey stats people, and we have three of them on staff at Lighthouse Hockey between Travis, yourself, and Garrick, is that you know you got to put these things into context and you got to put it into English so people can understand it. And you're very good at that. So I really appreciate it. Uh, so Habermetrics on Twitter, you should follow him there. You should also check out his website, The Cap Space, uh, which has tons and tons and tons of great information just real quickly, could you summarize that for everybody who hasn't seen it yet? Yeah, so uh, kind of relaunched this month. Uh, added a couple of, of quick dashboards for everyone to use. Just kind of basic stuff for now. But there's actually going to be some new stuff coming out this week that I'm pretty excited about. Um, so check that out. Uh, yeah. It's thecapspace.com. Um, and, yeah, I'm adding to it, you know, every week, every two weeks. So so please check it out. Yeah, there's, there's time on ice charts and, and like um, – you know, just uh, points per game chart, all that kind of great stuff, right? And then uh, you have something cooking at Lighthouse Hockey this week, right? Is it a is it a is it a Dal Cole thing? Am I wrong or do we wanna? Yeah, so I, <laughs> I the the plan was to go for uh, the trade deadline recap, which is still going to be the plan, but it's going to be a little bit different than I had originally anticipated, wherein I don't have to do any research on a new player, um, <laughs> but. We're going to talk about, or I'm going to talk about, really where where the team is right now, what they can do to improve, um, and and the fact that there are some internal improvements that can be made that are, are potentially better and obviously at least less costly in assets than what some of their uh, other uh, opponents, potential opponents, have done. So um, check that out; it should be yeah. coming out Wednesday. And um, I appreciate it. Thank yeah. you. No, that'd be awesome. We're looking forward to that. So thanks a lot, and uh, we'll talk to you again sometime soon. Thanks, guys. All right, later. So the Islanders have kind of a big game coming up on Thursday night. Uh, it is uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs coming into Nassau Coliseum for the first time this season, and that means that John Tavares is coming back to Nassau Coliseum for the first time uh, as a non-member of the Islanders. Um, it feels like we've been talking about this game forever, and um, – you know, I I would like to say we're not going to reiterate ourselves, but I'm sure we are at some point because uh, you you and I have both gone back and listened to our July 1st episode. And uh, I guess I'm kind of curious. Uh, I have a feeling I know what the answer is going to be. But like having heard us again and having gone back and listened to us again, um, has your stance on his departure or anything changed at all since that time? Nope. Not at all. <laughs> yeah, I didn't think so. <laughs> the the uh, the only thing that's changed, obviously, has been that we like uh, I said to you in, in a text message when I was listening to it that it's now a fun listen, which mm. is something I never thought would ever happen to to that <laughs> episode. Or you know, and yeah. I and I, and I honestly, this, I don't know if this is an indictment on myself or anything, but I don't think I I probably listened to um, our our shows. Every I don't I don't listen to every one of them back. Sometimes you just like hear yourself. It's weird, whatever. Um, but that one I've I've listened I listened to now a couple times since uh, I even spoke to you. Just like I have it on to think about it and and just that we're now at this point and it's it's fun. It's something I enjoy doing. It feels good to listen to that episode. I I had forgotten uh, your voice was very emotional. Like I feel like you know I was kind of. I was trying to be a little bit detached and also kind of keep track of everything. Also, I find out later that my my uh, capture was completely fried. I still have no idea what happened there, which really sucks because that's like the episode that most people have listened to. But in going back and listening to it, for the I haven't listened to it since we recorded it. 
And uh, you you were very emotional in that. And I, I find that's why I thought to myself, like, it's weird to still be kind of emotional about this, you know, almost months later. Um, but, yeah, I, I was taken aback by that. Um, the other thing I was taken aback by was uh, and I'm going to put the clip right in here um, that the uh, one of the things we talked about was the whole process of of the free agency thing and how. Like I had totally forgotten that the, the stars and sharks were kind of left on the hook too, while we all didn't know what Tavares was going to do. Let me play that clip right here, and uh, and you all know what we're talking about. But you know, him leaving is one thing, but like to do it in such a way that it leaves the team in a serious lurch, which is the way to Staple put it. You know, they're screwed. Like you know, they, he did this on the morning of free agency, so like free agents are going left and right, and. You know, were any of them really all-star play? No, not really. I mean, they, they kept Thomas Hickey, so that's good. But, you know, this this is going to put a serious damper on whatever plans the Islanders had, and they're going to have to go out and make trades now. They're not going to get what they need from free agency anyway this year because the best free agent available was John Tavares. So, you know, this is really putting this franchise in a bind. And I don't think people realize it because, like you said, we're the Islanders and nobody really cares. But, like, he's been saying for the entire time, the run up to this entire period that he loves playing here and he wanted to be here and, and, you know, he wanted to make it work and he loves it. And then to just leave his team in the worst possible spot to go to another team, it doesn't really betray that love. Right. I mean, it's a little bit crazy. No, it, it is. And like he could have gone about this in a hundred thousand different ways. And this is the only way he could have left the, this way, like with the worst complete possible heel. way to leave. Yeah. <laughs> It was honestly bizarre. Yeah. Last night, yesterday, I spent my entire day in bed, and I'm sure a lot of people did the same thing, just refreshing Twitter. It was a beautiful day. I mean, it's hot, but like I should have been outside. Mm. But I was just waiting for this guy to do something, and he didn't do anything, and he didn't give any inkling to anybody. Like right. the Dallas Stars were still in the run-up until, you know. <laughs> yeah, the Sharks the, apparently were there too. And like, you know, what have they been saying? I mean, they've been making moves too, but like all of them have been sitting on this. Yeah, and he just he screwed everybody. He screwed everybody, and he did it in such a way that was so un. John Tavares, like, who I, I guess he's not like you know what we thought he was. I guess where he was like supposed to be this you know lead by example kind of guy, and it's wrong. Like it's, yeah. I'm genuinely disturbed by it. Yeah. He's. I, I hope he never wins a Stanley Cup with <laughs> the goddamn Maple Leafs. Yeah. Like he's turned the Maple Leafs into this like horrible horror show like I, I i'm like thinking of sex with my friend like i might hate them more than i hate the rangers right now i had totally forgotten that they were on the hook too and it re- it made me laugh because i remember back at the all-star game in san jose sharks fans were booing Tavares, and he even seemed kind of, kind of confused as to why that was and it's like well dude they were waiting for your answer too <laughs> it's, it's not as bad as the booing you're gonna get from the islanders fans but i, I did find that funny i was like i, I totally forgot about that jeez it's it it's it's funny that he's now become a um, I want to call him a, a league wide villain. I think more people don't like him than do like him in in the league uh, uh, from a fan base. Uh, and then obviously most of the players, if if Rob Shrimp is any indication, most of the players. <laughs> <don't like him. laughs> but yeah, right. but uh, yeah, uh, I, yeah, that that was funny. I, I mean, the that I think that day um, or that you know thirty six hour period, whatever it was, that was what I thought I was going to be the most upset about was the lack of um, like forthrightness from him uh, and, and the, and the silence, the radio silence that 
took place, you know, for, for that, you know, 48 out, whatever the stretch was basically since those meetings, he started taking meetings like with other teams. It's like, there was nothing, there, there, there was no, um, sense of like that. He kind of could commiserate with, like knew that Islander fans were literally sitting and waiting on every, every like second of this. There was none of that. There was, there was, you didn't, you didn't get a sense that he had any, um, like remorse. I don't know if remorse, empathy is the right word. Empathy for Islander fans who were literally on the other side of the curtain and couldn't see or hear what was going on. All we knew was up oh, here comes Evander Kane into the Sharks meeting and Patrice Bergeron and they're right. they're only getting a phone meeting, a Skype meeting with the Vegas Golden Knights, whatever. And and then we knew like Trotz and Lamarillo showed up and we knew about the video. But like other than that, like we there was nothing else like coming out and and I feel like that, he still doesn't know about that. He still doesn't understand because again, getting back to the Sharks thing, like he still doesn't understand the sort of ramifications on us from that period. Yeah, absolutely. Like that was scarring. It was mm. a scarring, you know, as a sports fan, and and that's why, like, I think as an Islander fan, like you have earned every right to show how you feel on Thursday night, and that's not just like Tavares. Sure, like that is definitely number number one on the list right now, but. You know, we've put up with so much for so long and we talk about it all the time. We can go through the entire list and you have every right. You've earned every right by sticking through it to show exactly to show the league, to show the, the media, especially the media in Canada and like the big wigs in the media who who put us through just as much kind of torture as he did. Like you have earned the right to show him, show them, him, everybody how you feel. And, you know, nobody and don't let anybody tell you otherwise either. And don't let anybody tell you how to act or or how you should feel. You know, obviously you want to show some dignity and keep your dignity as <laughs> fan base, but right. but like nobody nobody else can tell you how to feel on on Thursday night when when it when it finally comes to a crescendo. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you, you basically took the words right out of my mouth. It's creepy because I'm looking at my notes here, and it's almost like you read them, but they just literally came from my phone to my email. <laughs> so I'm reading them now, but no, you're 100 percent right. Uh, you know, there's going to be obviously tons of booing. And obviously, the, they're going to be focused on Tavares. But yeah, no, I think whether people want to admit it or not, and I think they would if they thought about it, we're kind of we would kind of be booing the whole two year process of this whole thing that went down. Right. Uh, you know, I mean, for two years, everybody and their grandmother across the hockey world basically laid out all of the reasons why John Tavares needs to leave the Islanders, and the only thing that Islanders fans had to keep our spirits up because the team wasn't very good. Uh, the only thing we had to hold on to that whole time was John Tavares himself telling us, I want to play here. I want to win here. I want to stay here. This is my home. These people have embraced me. I want to be a one uniform guy. You know, when they announced the the Coliseum thing, he was there. He was smiling ear to ear. Like he, you know, he, John Tavares isn't a good enough actor to fake being happy about playing at Nassau Coliseum again. This guy is not, you know, he's not Christian Bale. Like, he doesn't get into a character or something. Like, he just is – that's not him. He was happy to be there. And I, I believe he was sincere in wanting to stay because he, he's just – it's not he's not built that way to, like, fake it and to lie. Um, and we had that – even, again, another funny thing from that episode that we I went back and listened to was um, him calling – I totally forgot that he had called draft picks that year and congratulated them and welcomed them to the Islanders. And then yes, a week he later, he walked away. <laughs> So, so here we are, two years, everybody's telling us, you suck and you need to lose your best player. And the guy himself is saying, no, I want to stay. I want to win here. This is my team. And then in the span of a week, he leaves. And 
that hurts. Like, it's like you're going out with somebody for years. They tell you they love you. Then they go silent. And then you the next day, they're like, oh, yeah, by the way, I'm married to this guy now. Like, what? What? <laughs> How does that work? And it's it's traumatic. And, and you know, the booing of Tavares is going to be the booing of all these people. And so Darren Drager comes out and he's like, of course, he says this on Leafs Lunch because I'm sure he assumes that no Americans listen to it. But he's like, you know, who cares what the fans think? John Tavares did his time and and he doesn't have to, you know, care what the fans think. Well, Darren, that's kind of a, you know, you should care what the fans think because the fans are kind of how you have a job. You know, if there weren't fans, we wouldn't need <laughs> Darren Drager. And so it, that's just kind of indicative of of what I'm afraid of, which is going to be the backlash to the backlash. Like we know what the Tavares backlash is going to be. I mean, we are, we're all Islanders fans. Like we all know what's going to happen, but I'm afraid of the backlash to the backlash. And I know I shouldn't be, but I'm already kind of like, you know, afraid of it. Right. Like you're kind of like anticipating what's going to happen afterwards. So. Yeah. I I think I've, I've definitely given it some thought. I think the Drager, like I would love for just to hold up a big sign and say like, you know, like Darren Drager, like, Pierre LeBron, like all those guys be like, you know, fuck you too. You know, like just like basically like all these guys, like it's not just, and I, I, I think that's kind of the point that those guys have all been missing this whole time. Right. It's like, no, no, no. This isn't just about John. Like you literally made this guy into what he is since he was 14. Like this is about you guys too. And this is about the way you treat people who, who you, you, you guys are like these gatekeepers right. who you don't deem like worthy enough to have a great franchise or whatever. Like this is about you guys and the way you, you treat people. And um, so I, I, I like sure like John, I think sorry, Darren Drager and those guys on Friday morning, first of all, they all already have exactly what they're going to be writing already. Right. Like oh, yeah. if you don't think if you don't think that Elliot Friedman and Darren Drager have have already thought this entire think piece through and can't wait to use whatever lead they already have stored in their in the cupboard, like uh, you're missing the point. Like they are cannot wait to put out their column right. of of how Islander fans showed the world I'm why sure, they don't deserve John Tavares. I'm sure LeBron's article is already in the athletic queue, ready to go. That you know. This is this yes. is we don't know why are they booing the guy who who represented them so well for nine years. They're just so angry. I don't get it. It's like, Pierre, we hung on every word you said for two years and every word out of John Tavares's mouth was he wanted to stay. And then he left. Like, that's the thing I don't get. Like, these guys were reporting him saying he wanted to stay. And all of a sudden they forgot that. Like, it's just so weird. And I think that's why. There's going to be a million chants there, obviously. But I think, you know, traitor is going to be one that ends up, not that I'm advocating this, but I feel like that's a word you're going to hear a lot. And I think that's what it comes down to. Like, this guy professed his love for us for so long, and then he just left. And it's like, how does that work out, you know? Like, what? how does one lead to the other? How? How is this your home and the place you want to play? I mean, for God's sakes, they... The owners organized a golf tournament of Islanders captains. There was only the one time they did it. And it was just so John Tavares can play golf with Dennis Potvin and Michael Pekka and Mark Streit and all these other guys. And then he just left. And it's like, you know, this was his supposed to be his place. And then he just decided, nah, I'm all right. I'm leaving. And he just left. So. Yep. Yeah, he was. it was tone deaf. And uh, another thing, too, was like, we spoke about that, that – we spoke that day about how John Tavares is very connected to the union. And I, I mean – before he left, I always kind of half-heartedly joke, and this was just like honestly a half joke that you know he should just be the the player coach because that's how kind of detail oriented <laughs> and how much like you know obs- how hockey obsessed he came off of, and and um so he was he, you know he wasn't naive to the fact that this what he was doing was a crushing blow to not just Islander fans and our psyche and the way we feel 
but also to the organization and as a whole. And like he's not an idiot, so he knew how the the league perceived the New York Islander fan base. And the only people who really know that on the inside are if you have basically played for the Islanders, if you've coached the Islanders, or if you've been like a beat writer, and then obviously Islander fans. Yeah. So like John Tavares knew, like he saw the other side. He said he saw how we were treated. He saw the franchise we treated. He saw he saw what it was like to not know where you were going to play your games, and like the next year, you didn't know if you know this team might be in Kansas City in a couple of years. Like he knew all about all this yeah, stuff. Absolutely. And he and he then now lended another body blow, like mm. a straight liver shot to this already wounded animal, and then did the one thing he couldn't do, and show zero. He he was so tone deaf. I mean, the thing with the that thing, it's become like almost a parody of itself. But the the the, the fact that he called Matt Barzell the kid who won the Calder, and it just like he literally couldn't think of the guy's name. The best yeah. player on his team, beside basically the best player on the team, most talented player on the team, he couldn't think of his name because of what God knows why. I don't know if he didn't want to say it or whatever. But he, like that's just that is like the the literally, and and that doesn't ever get brought up by by the hockey media, like. Wow, like don't you think that was a little weird that John Tavares did that? Yeah. No, that of course that didn't come up. The whole, the whole, that whole uh, press conference. The, all they talked about was how happy he was with his little Maple Leafs pin on his, his lapel with Kyle Dubas and like yeah. how great they look together right. and the video and whatever. And none of that is ever brought up. No. But that's how tone deaf the guy was that he literally couldn't say Matt Barzell's name mm. on podium. Uh, I just, but real quick, I just want to have an aside that I, I love that it's. This that signing has created an entire like meme industrial complex of everybody. Now, anybody, anytime anybody gets traded, immediately their head is photoshopped onto a kid on a bed of a team with a team's bed sheets. So I saw like a Matt Duchesne on uh, Blue Jackets bed sheets. I saw <laughs> Matt Zuccarello on Stars bed sheets. And it's funny. Like I can laugh at it. It's funny, but it's just like it's it became so ridiculous. And yeah, it no, but it is toned down. And I agree with you again, one hundred percent. Like. This was a guy who, you know, over the years, we heard stories of people going up to him just on the street and, you know, a restaurant or whatever and saying, hey, man, you, you got to beat the Rangers. Like, you got to do this. You got to like he knew. And that's the thing. Like, you know, I know people out there, especially Islanders fans, like all of a sudden they kind of want to like there's a lot of revisionist history. Like he wasn't that good to begin with. And he was, you know, he was trying to get to Leafs the whole time. I don't know if I necessarily buy that, but he knew like he got it. And he got why we are the way we are and the way the fans. And I think I think what's funny if you if you know, when this is all said and done and he's retired and he's like 50 years old and he, you know, probably has a ghostwriter write his autobiography. I think he'll he'll admit that when he came to the Islanders, he didn't know anything about them, because why would anybody from outside of this team know anything about them? And he became an Islander for nine years. He was the guy. And I do think, again, I, I think that's, that part is genuine because I don't think he has it in him to put up a front and pretend like he'd be somebody else. And the fact that he got us and then still left is just like, yeah, it's it's a knife in the back, you know, and it's it, it hurts. It hurts when somebody you connect with that closely decides to leave. And, and I just I don't know if anybody's really going to understand. He definitely understands it. I, I know for a fact that like. Outside of of us, nobody else is rooting for the Islanders this year. I mean, the fact that they're good kind of lends a really weird twist to the story. <laughs> nobody nobody thought they were going to be that this good this year. Um, and we'll get to why they are in, in a second when we close up this whole segment. But I know that like there's very few people out there that are rooting for us. Like the the Hurricanes 
have been on this crazy run, and it feels like the entire world is rooting for them to make the playoffs. There's a good chance they play the Islanders in the first round. People are going to be rooting for them against the Islanders. Nobody's rooting for us outside of us. Like, we're it. And like I said yep. at the end of that episode, that July 1st episode, like, we have each other. And as Islanders fans, we don't always get along. We don't always see eye to eye on on every topic. But we we have each other. And you're not alone out there. Like, you're not, if you're an Islanders fan, so are we. So it's a lot of people. And we're rooting for this team. And we're having fun so far. But... You know, don't after that game, don't really go looking like Mike said, you got to do what you got to do and and you have to let them know. The other thing, too, is that this is the first time we get to do this. Um, this is the first game. So everybody's going to be watching. He's going to be paying attention. They play again on April 1st. I have a feeling the the tension is going to be a little bit more muted. Once we get into next season, we're going to be until, you know. You got to move on with your life mode. <laughs> like that's, you know, we can't keep doing right. this forever. Like this is the time to let the guy know, to say what you got to say. And if that means applauding the guy for nine years of great service, then do that too. Like don't let anybody browbeat you or strong arm you into booing a guy. You don't feel like booing. That's totally fine. But, um, you know, at the end of the game, don't go looking for like sympathy from anybody. You're like, wow, these, these Islander fans seem really hurt by this. I, I feel bad for them. I, you know, I, I don't, nobody's going to say that. There's going to be nobody out there. I guarantee you. Like you just said, these people already have their stuff written. Pierre Lebrun's article has already been written. I guarantee there's going to be an, a, an article on Deadspin saying Islanders idiots boo John Tavares and make him sad. Like that's it. Or, you know, he doesn't care or whatever happens. And I guarantee on Saturday night, and I've been working on this now for a while now, Coach's Corner, there's Don Cherry. He's going to say, now listen, listen, look, look, listen. I got to say something right now. I got to, I got this guy, th- look, these people. These Islanders fans booing. Listen, Johnny Tavares is a good Toronto boy. He wanted to play for Toronto, and they don't like it. Because he left, they're going to have to shut up and get over it. You know, a guy who hasn't been over Europeans playing in the NHL now for 30 years. So I'm just saying we have each other. That that part of last that episode still stands, and we have to look out for each other and, and, and be together and let this guy know what he did to us. There you go. Yeah, exactly. And it's gonna. That's gonna. That's like the most powerful part of being, you know, a, a fan, a, a sports fan, right? Is like this. Don't take what what's going on for granted. I'm telling you right now, sure. Like nobody, nobody. You, we wouldn't wish, you know, the way we felt on July 1st on our on our worst enemies or whatever. Um, maybe maybe the people in Toronto, but that's about it. I've reached uh, out to some senators fans about what's going on up there, and I'm like, hey man, I really really hope that like there are better days for you. Because yeah. I know what you're going through. It's terrible. Exactly. Like, I mean, just think about it. like they, what they've gone through too, like with Carlson and, oh and like God. that weird saga. Like, <laughs> and then he and then he gets traded. It's just, but like, I'm telling you, on Thursday night, the whole league is going to be watching. The sports world is going to be watching. Like you said, Deadspin's going to write something, you know, snarky and annoying. And then, uh, but nobody, and nobody would would, like, don't take what you're feeling for granted. Like any any sports fan would trade what they're doing on Thursday night for the way you're feeling like you, that is the whole point is to be full of emotion and then to be able to actually let it out. And you Islander fans got a very rare opportunity to do it. And, you know, so that's why, like, that's why I was saying, like, you know, you do exactly what you need to, whatever you have to do on Thursday night, wherever you are, you just do it. Hmm. And you make sure that you get whatever you need to off your chest on Thursday. Cause then we got a playoff stretch to, to worry about, <laughs> Yeah, you know, keep obviously like I you know, look out for one another and don't don't get in trouble, but do whatever the hell hell you want. Yeah. So let me ask you this. It, 
Is there something? I, we're recording this on Sunday. Um, figured we could uh, just sit back and talk about it. You know, a uh, little get it kind of out of the way. But the game is, you know, Thursday. Um, just in the event, I don't think anything's going to happen. But just in case it does, like, is there something that Tavares could do or or say that might like change your mind? You know, and kind of like make you think about it a different way. I, I don't know. I mean, he's not going to say anything, so don't worry about it. But I'm just saying. No, that. I don't. I, <laughs> I still don't think so. I, I mean, and, and I get, and I was kind of thinking like something similar. Like, first of all, they're going to show a, a tribute video. Like, oh, I don't, for sure, I, yeah. <laughs> which we knew. I think, I think then like someone just confirmed it last week. But uh, like, th- I think that is actually more on the Islanders kind of even like uh, stoking the flames a little bit more because uh, I think, you know, they know exactly what the reaction to that is going to be. Uh, but I don't like, so I was thinking like if, if like John Tavares like shot like his own little tribute video or whatever and like released it, trying to strategic, I'm sure he's got a great PR firm now uh, <laughs> and they probably are advising him to do it to like either write another tribune players, <laughs> tribune article or something. Uh, don't, I, I just would say no, because at this point I, don't, I wouldn't trust it to be genuine at all. And it would, and, and it would make me even more mad. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I could see him doing a thing. I mean, he still knows Arthur Staple, obviously. I could see kind of like an athletic article coming out or something like that. But yeah, I, again, I mean, he's he's talked about it the whole time, and and at no point did I ever think it was it was genuine. And I, again, it's, he just keeps coming off as being sort of tone deaf to the whole situation. Um, I, I was heartened a little bit though to when I read an article prior to Matt Duchesne being traded to the Blue Jackets by Don Brennan of the Ottawa Sun, who's Kind of got Senators fans, I think, have a bit of a love-hate relationship with him. He's a little bit like kind of a Larry Brooks type up there. But uh, he was talking about how the Senators were kind of stuck in a holding pattern without knowing what to do. They, they kind of waited too long to take care of Duchesne and Ryan Dezingle and Mark Stone. And uh, Duchesne's agent is Pat Brisson, who's, who's Tavares' agent. And I found it funny that Brennan wrote that uh, Brisson is having – Duchesne do what John Tavares did with the Islanders, which is take them for a long walk and basically kind of like string them along while this guy just kind of does whatever he wants to do. And it, and it made me feel that there was some a tiny bit of sympathy out there for us, you know, that somebody else saw what happened and was like, that's that's not cool, man. Like, you know, you got to you got to let this team do what what is best for them. And if that means yeah. trading you for picks and prospects, then, hey, that's what you got to do. But you know, the Islanders didn't do that. So. I would I would love to to sit down and have a beer with a, a like a Montreal Canadiens fan. I, I mean, the Senators fan maybe, but like a Canadiens fan who like truly like the worst thing that could ever happen to them would be the Toronto Maple Leafs to end their their Stanley Cup drought, right? And I would just love to be like, you know, what what did the Tavares scenario just look like to you from your like? I wouldn't even say it, just be like, just try to like go from start to finish, John Tavares as a New York Islander to July first. And I know I'd love to hear like that because we are just we're just so inundated with like the the other side and just to hear that from coming from a, a senator's radar, I'm like yeah you know that is that is it, it does make you feel a little bit better. I honestly think outside of Islander fans, the people that have kind of sympathized the most with me have been my friends who are Ranger fans. <laughs> yeah, because so. they obviously yeah. they obviously have seen a closer look at sure. this than than you know the rest of the hockey world. So, yeah, and uh, and that's what makes Islanders Rangers rivalry so so unique and so fierce is that it's your friends it's your cousins it's your parents it's your family members like you know it's your co-workers like there's there's that that you're everybody's ingratiated right next to each other and so yeah i think this kind of thing 
you know, if you're unless the, the truly meatheaded out there, you know, aside from those people, I think if you're a Rangers fan with, with a thinking brain, you know, you see your cousin or your father or your mother or your sister or your friend bummed out because this dude left. You you know, you kind of forget that you're a Ranger fan. And you're like, oh, man, I'm sorry this happened to you. That really sucks. <laughs> you know? So I, I believe you. I believe you. That's kind of funny. But yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 but it's and it, it's just like the attention to detail is just a lot more, if, you know, because right. they're like naturally closer. And uh, it's fun. I mean, I think uh, there's like it's the whole situation coming to a head. Um, I've been looking forward to it. Obviously, this is a big week, uh, in, just in general, right. uh, for for the for the franchise and like just to have something like this to look forward to all season has been nice. And I can I'm you know I think the Islanders. I know like they're. They're kind of director of communications and stuff. They're, those they've they've been close with Tavares, so I don't think that there's going to be anything, uh, you know, from them to like, like I said, the tribute video or whatever. Like I think that is actually stoking the flame a little bit, but they have to do it. I yeah, there's do- no way. Yeah, they yeah. yeah, and uh, I would love to hear like Paul Cartier like play uh, <laughs> since you since you've been gone on the organ, <laughs> like like stuff like that. I I I would love for them to to you know like not forget that this guy walked out on them too. Like, you know, that he was a big part of, of what they did. Like, if the Islanders suck this year, like, because John Tavares left, that affects their bottom line. Like it makes their life a little more difficult. Uh, so I hope that they, uh, they do some, some kind of like tongue in cheek stuff to, to kind of just, you know, remind him like that this was like a, uh, far reaching decision he made and he made it in the wrong way. <laughs> um, well, that, but that that's a perfect way to to close this up because, you know, the, there has been a, a weird year for the Islanders and that they've been way better than you thought. And the reason that is is because of Barry Trotz. And uh, if you haven't read the uh, the recap from the game they played in Vancouver in the province, you should because there's a line there that, you know, I, I have a spreadsheet here of the Tau of Trotz and all these great, you know, lines he's had all season. But there is one that I think encapsulates this more than any, and I'm not sure what the question was. I'm sure it had to do with Tavares. But Trotz basically said, I mean, and again, this this to me is is what this whole season has been about. He said, there's more to the Islanders than just one man. And, I mean, you can't put it better than that. That's nope. he, he has taught us that lesson <laughs> all season long. There's more to this team than just one man. And, you know, that's how it is. And that's how they've been able to, to resurrect themselves in, in the face of it was a really traumatic summer <laughs> that way. So, so yeah, so we'll have to see what happens. And, uh, you know, I mean, number one thing is they need a win. So let's get that out of the way first. And then, uh, hopefully the other stuff is, uh, uh comes right behind it. And, and the two points are in the pocket. Yeah. And I can't wait. I, I mean, I, I'm really excited to, uh, be in Nessa Coliseum for a game like this. Uh, I think this is kind of, you know, why, why, what the Coliseum is all about. Nobody, no, no arena in sports does a big game like the Coliseum or does a game that, you know, means a lot like the Coliseum. And, uh, it's going to be great. I think, you know, I, 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 we, we've, I've spoken about, this is one of my favorite games that I've ever been at, even though they lost, like just looking back on was that Sabres game where beer bottles were thrown on the ice. And I, I just like, imagine like, just like that raw emotion, that anger towards the league for botching up a, a big call or whatever. Like that, that's what's going to be in, like kind of whizzing around, uh, the upper bowl of the Coliseum and uh, it's, it's a fun environment to be in a, in a, in for a game like this. And I just can't wait. I can't wait just to see Islander fans like doing this all together, like United just to like show the, the world or the league or whatever. Uh, John Tavares, like how, just how they feel. I'm i uh, I'm super excited. 
So uh, before the Islanders play that big game against the Maple Leafs, they have an arguably as big game against another Canadian team, the Calgary Flames, who kind of walloped the Islanders a little bit uh, last week in Calgary. Uh, they come into the Coliseum. They're, they were already there today skating, practicing, as I saw on TSN Trade Center today, which was a waste of my entire damn day. Um, the Flames are very good. They're much like Kerry said about the Hurricanes, like they're a team that plays with a lot of speed. And, boy, they just gave the Islanders all kinds of problems. And that 5-2 loss sounds a lot better than it actually was to watch. It was infuriating to watch, to be perfectly blunt. Um, and uh, the Islanders really need to – I don't want to make it a must-win game because, you know, there are some other games left on the schedule. But this is not a game they definitely want to lose, especially in light of the fact that the Leafs are coming in the next day. Yeah, they uh... – it, it's for me. It's it's a big game for a couple of reasons. It's more of a big game on, on this side of the curtain where you're watching and, and we'll be able to kind of see what level, you know, Andrew Ladd and to a lesser extent Thomas Hickey are are able to play at, uh, which which is gives the game some serious weight, uh, and and to see how they fit into this lineup that they haven't been in, involved in, uh, in you know Hickey what since mid December, Ladd since yeah, uh, I guess what was Ladd got hurt in like early November, November early November yeah. yeah. Yeah, so I mean, it's been a long time for the two of them, and and, and Hickey, Hickey is interesting. I mean, I I, th- I think the world of Thomas Hickey uh, as as an Islander and you know as a player. I mean, sure, he's not a world beater, but he's just been so good and so solid in, in his role. But when he came out of the lineup, that meant Devin Devon Taves has come in the lineup, and that's really when the Islanders really started to hit their stride. And so, I mean, he's got some some catching up to do. I don't I don't doubt that he'll be able to do it. Um, and uh, so, so that's kind of how I'm approaching that game rather than, you know, we need to get these two points. I'm looking at it. I mean, they do need to get them because, like you said, there are two huge games coming to at the end of the, of the week. So you want to have those two points in the pocket already. But I'm looking at it from that way. Like, I'm just hoping to see some encouraging signs from those two players in particular uh, before the Leafs come in. Yeah, no, that, that's, a, that's a good way to look at it because I really don't know if they have – the lineup to beat the flames, <laughs> which is really, uh, you know, I'm kind of going into it. I know they, they've performed a lot of miracles this year, but after that game last week, they were outshot by a million miles. They were lucky to be tied early in the third. And then the flames scored two goals in 29 seconds. And it was essentially over. Like there was nothing left in that game. Um, so hopefully there's not a repeat of that, but you never know. I mean, teams come out here and weird stuff happens. So, uh, hopefully they can they can get the two points. But yeah, you're right. I mean, it is it would be interesting to see Ladd in particular. But I'm less worried about Hickey because I feel like he's he's already been pretty familiar with with the guys he's been playing with. But uh, the um, you know Ladd, yeah, he's been out for quite a long time, so he needs to get in there. Um, the next game would be Thursday against the Leafs, uh, and we've been so focused on that Leafs game that I totally forgot that the next day. They play the Capitals. <laughs> like I totally focused focus, so focused on this Leafs game that I completely forgot the Capitals are coming in. All these games are at Nassau Coliseum, by the way, which is great. Um, you know, it gives the Islanders a little bit of a bump, but the uh, the Caps are coming in. Like you said before, they picked up Nick Jensen and Carl Hagelin, two depth options for them. That's what they kind of do. Um, you know, again, when we say the Capitals are a team that the Islanders compete, it doesn't mean it's going to be easy. They still are the Capitals. But I think they match up pretty well with them. Speed isn't a huge discrepancy. Uh, they can, you know, obviously they have their old coach, and so they can kind of, you know, use some insider information or whatever. But that game, again, is as big, if not bigger, than the game against the Leafs because that is the team that is directly chasing you in the Metro, and that's kind of a huge one. And I, I feel stupid for having forgotten about it, but 
you know, it's that turn of the calendar. You don't even bother to look. And all of a sudden you're like, holy cow, really? That's where they got to play them? But, uh, you know, I think they have a chance. And they've been good on back-to-backs, uh, as we've seen. So that that's a good one to get some points, Ben. But that's that's huge. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if they were looking more forward to that one than the Leafs game. Yeah, I think uh, we we talked a lot about how back in the day after the Rangers game, there was they always would just lose to whoever they played afterwards, the Senators or whatever. Yep. Um so there's no there's no opportunity for that at least in this game like you know you lose if if the Leafs win they better be up for the next game and they, they'll have no choice because like it could be you know it, that could be the end of the Islanders uh reign at the top of the d- division if they if they uh screw up that game so uh yeah and and it's it's uh it's just like a crazy week at the, I think just start, starting today with the deadline and then you know obviously the Glad and Hickey returning then the, the Leafs game, then the divisional showdown, and then I, uh, whoever I can't even remember who they played to close the weekend out. The Flyers, Flyers, right? So <laughs> they play the Flyers on Sunday in a matinee, and then on Tuesday, look way forward, they play the Ottawa Senators, who are literally stripped down to the studs. Like they just, there's nobody left on the Senators anymore. They just traded everybody. Mark Stone is now a uh, Vegas Golden Knight, and everybody else plays for the Blue Jackets. So yeah, it's it's a huge week. Um, you know, those are two winnable games at the end of the week. But, you know, after the the huge highs of the games in the earlier of the week, you hope that there's not a letdown, like you said, like they used to have against games after the Rangers, you know? Yeah, exactly. And, uh, I mean, it's not going to be it's not going to be easy uh, at all. And I just hope that, uh, you know, they come they come out of it, you know, in, in exactly the same position as they're in, because we you now know that like the Hurricanes and the Blue Jackets are going to be charging up the division. The Capitals aren't going to be going away, and the Penguins, like whatever, we can say that they've they're not the, as what they what they were last year, the year before, the year before that, the year before that, whatever, going all the way back till basically Crosby's second year in the league. But they're still the Penguins, so they're good. Like there's the Islanders can get sucked into a, a real dogfight uh, for not just the division, but for home ice, and then for uh, to avoid the Lightning in the first round and. You know, obviously, you don't want to say, it, but like a playoff spot as well. So, not not punting on this week or not screwing this week up will go a long way in kind of restoring the faith that we had before the the Western Canada trip. Yeah, no, that that's a good way to put it. Um, real quick, just because we didn't get to before, um, just to recap the last couple of games uh, over the Western Canada swing. So yeah, they they lost. Oh, excuse me, they lost four two to Calgary. I thought it was five two. They felt like 5-2, but... Uh, yeah, it felt like 8-2. It wasn't <laughs> no. close. Uh, so that was bad. Well, I've been mad, bad that whole time, but that game doesn't deserve me getting it right anyway. Uh, they followed that up with a 4-3 uh, overtime loss to Edmonton. Uh, they really, again, weren't playing very well. Uh, they started the game down 2-0. They stormed all the way back to make it 3-2. Uh, they, they, Oscar Clefbaum tied it with a couple of minutes ago, and then Connor McDavid... Uh, won it in overtime, and there's a good argument that Connor McDavid shouldn't have been in the game because he hit Nick Letty. He was given two-minute uh, penalty. The Islanders scored on it, which is great, but McDavid was then given a two-game suspension, and it's like, well, why wasn't he given five in a game uh, if it was that bad at the time? But, you know, to be honest, the Islanders were sloppy the entire game. Um, they were defending way too much and, quite frankly, probably barely deserved one point in that game <laughs> that they got. Uh, let alone two. So I, I think it probably ended up the way it should have. Uh, but then the Islanders came back in a big way in the next game, a 4 nothing win in Vancouver. 
uh, which was now, as we know, Eric Goodbranson's final game as a Vancouver Canuck. Uh, I highly recommend you seek out Canucks fans because they are throwing a party. They have not partied like this since 1994's Western Conference Final. Like this is, you know, they are happy as hell that this guy is gone, which makes us as people in the division with the Pittsburgh Penguins, where he got traded, very, very happy. But uh, the game against the Canucks was uh, was good. It was it wasn't a perfect game, but the Islanders looked more like the Islanders in that game. Yeah, I should I should have actually brought this up when Carrier was on, but. Uh... One of the intermission interviews was with Val Filpola, and the Islanders didn't really play well in the first like 35, 40 minutes of that game. And he was talking about how Shannon Hogan, I think, basically said that. And he's like, Yeah, but you know, most of their shots were from far away, so we're doing a good job. Hmm. And I was like, Yeah, wow, it's just, it's just, you know, even, even like hearing him picking up like the, the intricacies of Trot's, Trot's way is pretty right. funny, but uh. Yeah, he, he looked great. He looked yeah. handsome. Tom Kunako, by the way, is also handsome. I didn't realize that. <laughs> I don't know if I think I missed that that um, interview she did with him, but uh, um, yeah, they they looked. Uh, yeah, it's always fun to see Phil Pulley kind of in the in the uh, interview slot because uh, it seems like there's a rotating cast of guys. It's always Sezikis, Nelson, uh, Clutterbuck, and then a couple other guys in there. I guess yeah, yeah barely. Uh, I think I've yeah. seen. I, I've probably seen eight hundred intermission interviews with Josh Bailey in my <laughs> lifetime. And he's never said anything interesting. That's <laughs> uh, <laughs> Zeke is, is the one who I think has the most personality in that group. Clutterbuck always seems like he wants to say something like really off color and funny, but he just doesn't because he doesn't want to get anybody. Yeah. Mad. He wants to like, he like, it's like he wants to cut a wrestling promo yeah. at, at someone, <laughs> someone in the other locker room, but he can't do it. So it's, yeah. And, uh, and Nelson is enormous. I always forget how huge he is, you know, standing next to Shannon. He makes her look like, a tiny little person. Like, it's just kind of funny, but, uh, but, uh, yeah, no, they, they were definitely, you know, it's funny that Val said that because the, the third period of the game against the Canucks was vintage. Like that, the Islanders were great in that third period. And it just, if there was any hope that the Canucks had come back in that game, it was extinguished very early in that third period. They were really solid and they kind of sewed up a, a one, one in one road trip, which, you know, isn't great, but it isn't terrible either. You know, I mean, they got they got three out of yeah. six possible points, and I mean, you know, what do you it have? would have been terrible if the Islanders were you know fighting for a playoff spot where like the Canadians or Penguins are yeah. or Hurricanes. But yeah, given that you know they've given themselves the luxury of having these opportunities, now it's up to them to not lose that. Yeah, uh, but, against uh, good teams this week. Yeah, yeah, no, they, they. I mean, that that's okay. I mean, yeah, sure, two two and one would have been better, but one one and one is totally fine at this point. In the season, so uh, okay, so uh, we've covered a lot of stuff. Uh, this is again, this is a huge. I mean, it's funny we hadn't really talked about that much, but uh, this is a really huge week. I mean, besides the, yeah, the deadline, the Tavares thing, the games themselves are are really huge, and uh, I think we've covered everything. Um, you know, for trade deadline stuff uh, that gets more into it, you're gonna have to go find somebody else because <laughs> we're keeping it Islander centric here. Uh, but it was kind of a bust. I mean. Again, nothing happened until two o'clock, and then Stone moved just before the deadline passed. Um, Kevin Hayes was traded to Winnipeg, who's kind of like he was kind of like the Stone consolation prize. Um, oh, Wayne Simmons is a is a Nashville Predator now, and he apparently found out while watching TSN, just like the rest of us. Which that's rough, man. You really hate to see that. That's that's pretty terrible. <laughs> I, I I thought he had a no trade clause, but maybe he didn't. Uh, <laughs> I, I think guys waved them to play in Nashville because like they yeah absolutely. Them, but, uh, I thought it was uh, – it's funny because those that trade center that is now like a parody of itself where it, it is basically nothing <laughs> right. nothing happens and they make a joke of that. Um, like 
the old trope was like they would just have the Cam Jansen. Cam Jansen always got traded between St. Louis and New Jersey for like a seventh round pick in like at like nine a.m. every trade deadline, yeah. and they always had his his phone interview. So I, I miss that part of it, but yeah, uh, yeah it was ter- it was terrible to now, watch. Now they had a guy in a in a donkey mat or a horse mask or was it a burrow? I don't know what he was doing, but it was it, yeah. Self parody is the best way to put it. It's almost like a very bad Canadian sketch comedy show now. I just I, I don't know. And, and with it, with an appearance from from the prime minister. The prime minister was there. <laughs> yeah, I, I yeah. I mean, it's the only show where you have a guy in a you know a donkey mask. And then the next segment is the Prime Minister of Canada talking about the Canadians, you know. So it was kind of, at least I'm, I'm glad that it was, they talked. That was the one time they talked about the Canadians and not the Leafs. So I guess it was it was worth it. But uh, I mean, we still watched it, but it was still I, I can't believe I wasted a whole day. I don't know how those guys do it. I want to make fun of them, and I do make fun of them, but I still I don't envy them because that's got to be the worst gig that those guys do all year. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, okay, so um, we got to wrap. We've we've gone through a lot here, so we need to wrap it up real quick. Um, this week's NHLnames.com NHL name of the week is Austin Zarnick. Austin Zarnick of the Calgary Flames scored the game-winning goal the other day. Uh, we were going to do David Riddich, but he's not going to play. Mike Smith is going to play. So sorry, David Riddich. Next time. And uh, we know the Capitals too well. I'm not doing uh, a Leaf. We also know the the Flyers very well. And the Senators are, I mean, who the hell even knows who's on the Senators anymore? So this is the only guy we could really do. It's a, that, was, that was a good one. Uh, I, I'm, the, the, the thing about the Senators is funny that that picture that kind of circulated around uh, Twitter of the team two years ago, the <laughs> team photo. And it's just like, yeah, well, no, they photoshopped them in all the whatever uniform they're in now. It's hysterical. <laughs> oh, I got to check that out. That would be funny. Oh, wow. I didn't even see that. All right. I'll take a look. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's I feel if you know a Senators fan, man, you just just give them a shoulder to cry on because it, it this was this has been a really, really bad season and a really, really bad week. And uh, it's you know, we've been again, we know what it's like. So we've been there and uh, I would hate to see that kind of stuff visited upon anybody uh especially those guys they're sort of like the islanders of canada a little bit kind of <laughs> lots of lots of arena problems lots of bad ownership you know kind of stuck in the mud there but uh yeah you know hopefully they they get over it and they get sold to somebody else at some point um what else sneakyathletic.com go there put anxiety in the discount code box and you can save 10 percent uh again great uh fort never lose apparel they're going to be playing a Fort Never Lose for the rest of the season now and including the first round of the playoffs. So get on it now. Put anxiety in the discount box. You save 10%. Again, that's sneakyathletic.com. March 16th, Offside Tavern. Noel and Dan are doing a live Isles Buzz podcast. You should go. Check out the Red Wings Islanders game. Stay for the live podcast. It's the Offside Tavern. Everybody knows it. It's world famous at this point. You should go. And obviously, Noel and Dan always put on a great show. Their podcast is great. And uh, Nick Hershon, author of We Want Fish Sticks, is already going to be there. So definitely go March 16th, Offside Tavern. You should read Lighthouse Hockey every single day for your most up-to-date Islanders news and discussion. You should follow Mike on Twitter. And what is your Twitter handle again? It's uh, the Big Lebowski with two E's. Um, yeah, and I should – my friend just sent me – my friend's a musician. He just sent me a uh, song he wrote for, for Thursday night. So I'm going to get that out. Oh, um, the language, the, la- the language might be industrial, but uh, <laughs> I'll uh, 
I'll, I'll try to get that out when, once he gives me the okay. Oh, yeah. That'd be awesome. Oh, we should, you know what? We had an Isles Tunes playlist uh, section on the blog once. We should, we should do that again. Bring it back. We've already brought back the Ghostbusters thing. We should bring that back, too. <laughs> I don't know if I still have the artwork somewhere. I should, but oh, I'm interested to hear that. That'd be pretty cool. See, the, the, the John Tavares comes back, and the, the, the feelings that we all have bring about creativity and, and uh, you know, kind of the muse to, to uh, be creative and, and strike and, and let your feelings out. So there you go. Pretty good. Yes, I'm, it's, I'm excited to hear it, too. I'm, uh... We'll check it out. Uh, so yeah, so follow Mike at the Big Lebowski, uh, and you could hear that first, uh, and maybe we'll we'll post it later too. Uh, thank you so much for listening. Thanks for hanging out with us. Thanks to Kerry Haber for coming on. Seriously, he's a great guy. Follow him on Twitter. Follow those charts. If you have a question, ask him because he is awesome when it comes to just answering the questions and helping you figure it out. Because that's what we're all here for. We all just want the team to win, and uh, any way they can. And when he says stuff like, "Hey, you know, this team is is for real." You want to know more about it, and he's the best guy to go to, uh, as long with Garrick and Travis. We're, we're very lucky that we have these people that can provide us with these kinds of insights uh, to tell us why our team is the way it is, and especially in a season like this, it's fun to see why that is, and so you can uh, wow your friends and neighbors with uh, information at the bar or the backyard barbecue, which is pretty cool. <laughs> uh, so thanks a lot, and we will talk to you again probably after that Senators game uh, next Tuesday. And uh, we'll see where the Islanders are. Hopefully uh, at the end of this big week, they're still uh, right where they should be. All right. Thanks a lot. Talk to you later. Bye-bye.